sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, July 13th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. As always, every Monday through Friday, weekday mornings, I got my, I got my man Kevin Paul. Something crazy going on, and that craziness has stopped, so my man Kevin Walsh is with me. Kevin, we had a big weekend. We got a lot of stuff coming up. You know, we're on the precipice, people arriving to the bubble. We're hearing about hotel rooms. We are seeing live American team sports. We got a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited for a big week of action. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the UFC was, uh, was a blast this past weekend. The MLS uh, tournament continues to roll on we had a nice weekend uh, of tbt and we'll get back to that tomorrow but you know all in all we're getting closer we're, we're certain we're getting closer to where we want to be the the journey there and the journey even after we kind of get things off the ground you know we'll see how it goes but i'm excited to get you know a lot more back and the stuff that is back has been a lot of fun yeah absolutely so let's take a look at the bubble in orlando where you're right mls had a couple of games Last night, and I got to tell you something. Last week, Kev, we were talking about how all these one nothing games, right? How there was scoreless first half, but that has not been the case. It picked up a little bit yesterday. Minnesota over Sporting Kansas City two to one. Kyrie Shelton scoring goal in the first half, but then Kev, an own goal off of him in the second half. But Minnesota gets it done two one over Kansas City, and then Real Salt Lake gets it done two nothing over Colorado. In the nightcap, at least we have been winning teams with uh, multiple goals this time around, okay? Yeah, I, I mean, it took us all the way until Saturday to get a goal in the first half. Because for those of us that were waiting back on Friday in the Sounders game, nil-nil draw, they're like, no, there's no goals first half or second half. Finally, Saturday, and I like this from the Red Bulls, a fourth-minute goal, right? So it was like right yeah. out the gates, it was the only goal. It was the only goal. Like It has been thus far a very low-scoring tournament. and. I think for the most part, we're better off kind of continuing through that thought process that these things are going to be a little bit um, more low scoring. But the way I am, Dane, and I think you're, you know, you're pretty similar, is when I watch these games, I always am trying to think about how it would relate to another sport. Even though right, right. now soccer is not the same as baseball or the same as basketball, but low scoring, tired legs, does this mean unders? Like just trying to get a grasp of, what this whole, you know, rest, rust scenario that we have throughout all of sports and how it will apply. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the question is, do you apply that logic to today? There are three games on the MLS slate, Kevin. That's really my big question. Do you think it'll, it'll be that way? I mean, the goals are really what I'm seeing. I mean, our first game out the gate today is, by the way, Toronto versus D.C. United, and this is a rescheduled game, right, Kev? We have to make that point mm -hmm. because that is a game that was supposed to happen yesterday at 9 o'clock. It's happening today, 9 o'clock in the morning. There was some, in essence, what are testing issues, right? D.C. United and Toronto FC had, um, we'll call them inconclusive test testing issues. Then they had to retest everyone. Good thing that they came up negative on that second round, and so we can, in fact, mm -hmm. proceed. But Kev, the fact that um, you know, the fact that these kind of logistical issues can complicate a schedule or push back a game, we've seen Chris Bryant talking about this in Major League Baseball, the delays with testing. You know, that's another ripple effect. That's another kind of factor here that all these leagues are going to have to make sure they have right. Because I understand we're able to play this game the next day, but you know, that's still not the most elegant solution here. If testing is mm -hmm. is enough. For a game to get postponed and rescheduled. Yeah, and I do. One of the things that you mentioned um, in the early beginning of this tournament is the idea of them setting a precedent and mm -hmm. what that would mean moving forward. And obviously, we've seen that they have set a bit of a precedent when it comes to a 
outbreak for a team. And that's why FC Dallas and Nashville SC are no longer in the bubble and are a part of this tournament. Right. They have also set a bit of a precedent when it comes to single games, trying to postpone them. Because they did postpone uh, Nashville SC's first game. They certainly tried to do it with FC Dallas as well because they were supposed to be playing on that very first day of the tournament, um, which was very unfortunate. I do wonder what happens when it's not the regular season uh, slash group stage games anymore. I feel like those are a little bit easier to push back, right? Because it's just a part of a of a larger regular season schedule, and they're able to figure every everything out. And obviously, not having any travel is ideal. Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. I hear you. And uh, so now, when we think about this Toronto FC and DC United, the question for me becomes: Who maybe handles this? Maybe it's the mental side of things that are really important, right? Because you you were getting up for your first game. On a Sunday morning, now you got to do it again 24 hours later, again the early start, again the early wake-up time, again the early team meal. Toronto FC is the favorite at around minus 105, going off with DC United around plus 250. How do you see this game? Do you think this is really led by who can respond to the kind of changing, the mental toughness of it all that's going to be required after a game shifting like this? Yeah, I would say today's actually a really big day in terms of what do we get from, from the favorites? I think you, you have to look at Toronto FC as one of those teams that are supposed to compete at a high level. You've got LAFC uh, playing later on today, and we'll, we'll get to that game. And you look through some of the games that we've seen in this tournament, right? Like some of the top teams with NYCFC, they came out the gate and, and they struggled, and they struggled a little bit. Um, you know, Seattle... They got the draw, so those weren't uh, you know, great showings that would inspire a ton of confidence. Atlanta United, Red Bulls, those were two top teams. You know, It depends how it goes. So I think that's one of the things that I'm most interested to see is a team like Toronto FC, who's supposed to be one of the favorites or so, probably one of the you know, five or six um, heavily favored teams to actually win this tournament, what they're able to do in this spot here. And that's one of the benefits. We've talked about this quite a bit, Dane, the triple money line aspect that is available when it comes to betting in, in soccer, right? So you, you mentioned it's, you know, somewhere near even money or minus 110 when it comes to the right. Toronto FC price. You, you look, you know, again, around 250 for DC United. Like, that's a considerable dog. But because you also have the draw, Coming in, you know, somewhere in the, the range of, of around plus 270, that's an opportunity, I think, on Toronto FC. They're one of the better teams in the league, and I think the triple money line here is providing us an opportunity. Okay, let me apply the same logic, Kevin, to the next game that we're going to see today in Orlando mm-hmm. in that bubble tonight at 8 o'clock. You know, fingers crossed, I guess, and I guess we have to say that, right? Everyone in the world is questionable, even the people who process the testing. We got LAFC against the Houston Dynamo tonight, and LAFC is a big favorite. Around minus 150 is your money line right here. But I want to ask you, because of what we've seen, the stops and starts, the tired legs, the team still getting into a flow, might you be more likely to hit up that draw? Because that draw, Kev, I'm seeing it's tasty at around plus 335. (laughs) This is still these first teams out of the gate. I know LAFC is a stronger team, but maybe something like a 1-1 draw is more viable because it is their first time out in Orlando. They're not used to these conditions. They're not used to also it being 90 degrees out still at 8 o'clock at night. What do you think about the potential for a draw? Yeah, I'm super. I'm very, very excited for this game. We spoke last week, Dane, to Tom Bogert, right, who uh, covers the MLS and we were asking him about the fact that Carlos Vea is not going to be here. And for those that don't know, Carlos Vea is the reigning MVP of this league and put up what a lot of people would say is the best statistical season in the history of this league. He put yeah. that forward last year. LAFC is without Carlos Vea. His wife is expecting, and he's decided to opt out of the tournament. They were still the favorites to win this tournament despite that. And that's not through a lack of movement. That's because they are that good. They're one of the most potent teams in this league. And if they come out and they look sharp, it's going right. to add a lot of confidence to this group, and they're going to go out and they're going to feel it, and they're going to be able to seize it. 
But because of the variance, because things can get thrown off, I'm unsure on on how we want to roll. Do we want that minus 150 or so? Because the draws are live. I, I think this is one of those spots, though, where the total would be interesting. Now, we, okay. you know, we know, right? Two and a half, three and a half. It makes a, a big difference. I know that you Absolutely. get plus money if you wanted to get over three and a half. Over two and a half is a considerable minus price. It's getting, you know, it's approaching that, yeah, it's approaching that minus 250-ish range. I look at this LAFC game as one where I'm expecting goals for sure. All right, fair enough. Let's apply this logic because there is the, the third game out. You know, it's one LA team to another, the nightcap. And it's good that these West Coast teams get the late start, right, so their fans can still see them. But 10.30 mm-hmm. p.m. Eastern time, the Galaxy get out there. I think they have a tougher test than LAFC. They have the Portland Timbers in their first mm-hmm. game. stage. The Galaxy um, aren't even the favorites in this game. It is actually Portland. And remember, because of the three-way line, you can't have all three outcomes literally be at plus money, even the favorite. And that is the case here. Portland Timbers are the favorite around plus 140, plus 145, let's say. And the Galaxy at plus 165. Does that mean the draw is more likely? There is not a large favorite. The book sees that these uh, teams are more evenly matched. The draw, I'm seeing at around plus 260 at last check. Again, Kevin, first, let's teach people how to fish. If there's not a large favorite, does that make the draw more alive? Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to, right? I mean, the draw, I don't know if the draw, I don't know if I've ever seen a draw favored. And at this point, the way we've been following soccer, right? I I don't, I don't know if we ever will, but because of how close the money line options are here, I think it's certainly worth the look. You know, you mentioned around a a plus 260 number. Now we've not seen a ton of draws in the MLS is back tournament, right? And in fact, we've only seen one. People haven't been able to actually. Yeah, right. People have been, been able to get that separation and come away with a win. But also, sometimes I'm not mad at kind of keeping that in, in, in mind, right? Draws are a very likely outcome. They happen all the time. The fact that we've only gotten one, I'm not mad if you say to yourself, I'm due for a draw. And you take hey. this, this you know, today's Monday slate one day at a time. Start with the first game. If you get it, cool. If not, go to the LAFC game. If you don't, cool. Keep moving. Because it, there, it's always plus money. So it's not a bad way to approach it. Yeah, absolutely. That is one way to look at it. We've got three games on deck in the MLS tonight. My hope, Kevin, is that they all actually get underway. It seems like, you know, everything is questionable until it's actually, you know, the ball's rolling around and the clock is counting. When we come back, there is more soccer to cover, though. We go across the pond to your games. We'll talk about it and all the reasons why when we come back off and running. Early line giving you sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh giving you what you need in the morning to get ready for the day to, you know, win a little bit of extra cash here during the summertime. And, Kev, we were talking about MLS. MLS is back. MLS is back is a big thing in this country. Even the continued uh, kind of protests and demonstrations that are happening before the game with names being written on the jerseys, on the little tag on the bottom, they continue to kind of lead the way, showing how a uh, large major American team sport can kind of honor some of the unrest that is happening in this country. But we go across the pond now, Kev, to the EPL, which, to be quite honest, was the first league to start having things like Black Lives Matter on a jersey, which was the first one kneeling like in mass in unison. And boy, oh boy, Kev, is there a big time game today and a standalone spot for Manchester United. You would think, Kev, because they are almost minus 400 favorites, right? I'm seeing them around like minus 385 at this point. They're such big favorites. You would say 
Dane, what are you talking about? But because of where they are able and other rulings that are coming down, they've got a ton to still play for. Manchester United, big favorites today against Southampton. This is the biggest game that has taken place thus far in this season. Because Liverpool built up such a lead, that a title game, you know, it's too early in, 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 the, in the table. There's only United only has four games left, and everybody else is only going to have three left. Southampton as well only having the four left. Everybody else has played 35 games. And here is what is up for grabs. Manchester United is on this incredible unbeaten run. It extends 17 games in all competitions, so that includes Europa Cup, the FA Cup. But that obviously is a double-digit unbeaten run, draws or wins, that has also taken place over their time currently in the Premier League. And they were initially... Around December, 14 points back of Leicester City. Manchester United, with a win, not only would jump Leicester City, who currently sits fourth in the table, they would also jump Chelsea, who sits third in the table. United is on 58 points. Leicester City is on 59 points. And then Chelsea is on 60 points. Both of those teams having a bit of disastrous weekends. Leicester City goes up 1-0 to Bournemouth who is expected to be relegated, they then give up four straight. One of their top defenders got a red card and everything cracked at the seams, and they've been a bit sloppy since things have started back up. Chelsea also, with a disaster result, a 3-0 defeat at the hands of Sheffield United. And here comes Manchester United, hot as any team in the world, with the Hmm. opportunity to put themselves into third And it matters way more than they could have ever imagined. Because, Dane, if you remember back when we first started talking about the Premier League and and what was at stake for all of these clubs, we were initially thinking that all you needed was a top-five finish to get into Champions League because Manchester City had their ban. Well, lo and behold, they have won their appeal. Manchester City is going to be in the Champions League next season. And they are clear enough to where they cannot fall out of those top spots. So now you absolutely need need to be in the top four if you are going to be playing in the Champions League. So Manchester United needs this game in a major, major way today, Dane. So what does that then mean for us? Well, it means it's going to be a a tight game. It means it's going to be a scary one. Southampton are a scrappy team. The minus three, you know, almost minus 400 number is quite a lot to deal with. Yeah. The total. I think the total win, you know, because they have more on the line. They're going to give their best effort. They're going to get up for it. This is not one of those early season college football bowl games that kids are just (laughs) happy to be there. Swag bag. They know there's a lot on the line, especially with the man city ruling that you mentioned. Yes. And and you, I mean, you would like to believe you're going to get the best version of Manchester United. The worry sometimes is just like law of averages. I mean, they haven't lost since January. Like, that's a long time. And it would be a shame if their first loss happened going into the most important game of their season. And again, Southampton, they are a scrappy bunch. They've got a a couple decent results since the restart. They actually beat Manchester City 1-0, not uh, back on, on the 5th of July. So this is... This isn't a pushover group, and that it has to be a bit of a concern for United. And I, I just, with all of this on the stake, sometimes you, you can see how they might be a little worried. You can see how maybe, the, you know, a little tense, right, because of the importance that is now put on this game. I mean, every possible thing that could have happened to make this the most important game of their season happened. Chelsea lose. Leicester lose. City's back in the Champions League. All of that happened right before... This game was going to Saturday, Sunday, Monday, boom, boom, boom. All of the news that they, you know, were kind of waiting on comes to them. I think the reason why the total would grab my attention is because United have now scored three goals, three goals, five goals, three goals in their last four games in currently their Premier League. They are rolling offensively. Southampton is usually good enough as well to get a goal. And if we're looking for some plus money, you know, around plus 130, plus 140 for over three and a half goals, which I'm not against because if, if United does come out and they're flying and they're zooming, 
then this thing should soar over. There's also the other side of this, though, Dane, where if everybody's a bit sensitive and you know yes. a little unsure of themselves, you could also try the under two and a half at a little bit better than plus 150, maybe plus 160. Now, yes, you are setting yourself up for a game that has, has three goals exactly in it. You and I <laughs> both know how this goes. But I, I think both either side of it is a very sound approach for this game. All right, fair enough. We will see. There is a lot on the line there for Man United. Like you said, you know, it's like you got to win and get help. Was They've gotten the help that they needed from their opponents mm-hmm. on the field. They did not necessarily get the help they needed from the kind of like, I don't know, officials and adjudication because Man City does qualify. They will take up one of the four Champions League spots from the EPL. We know that. So there's three other spots, and with a win, Man U could get it done. Speaking of Champions League and thinking of another you know, huge league in Europe, I want to turn our attention to La Liga in Spain. And, Kev, here's my question for you. You know, Real Madrid plays today at 4 o'clock, right? They are big favorites mm-hmm. around 19. Against Granada, but I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, they're still in the Champions League as well. I saw a draw for them, and, and in the Champions League, we're like in the middle of the round of 16, I do believe, right? The draw kind of came out, but I, it looks like two teams maybe are already in, or two games are already set for the next round. Meanwhile, some other teams are not, and I know that when a team like Real Madrid, you know, They're in competition for the La Liga crown with teams like Barcelona, Atletico, what have you. But they also are still live in Champions League, unless I'm bugging, Kev. What do they prioritize? What kind? Do they run out their full 11? Are they taking different breaks? How do you play it when you're still live in multiple, for multiple titles? Yeah, it's it's hard because you always want to try and throw your best 11 out there. That's why, though, for clubs like Real Madrid, that's why they have a lot more than just a starting 11. They try and run deep. Here's the thing for Real Madrid. They're always going to care about Champions League, right? But they are currently down on aggregate after hosting the first leg. They're going to Manchester down. It's going to be a tough spot. The Mm. difference for them is Barcelona came out very sloppy since the restart over there. Real Madrid is currently top of the table, and they're a point up on them with a game in hand. If they win today, the the big thing for them is they are then four points clear with only two games to play. I mean, not to say it would lock the title up, but it would all but lock the title up. And that's, that's why it's such a big result. Now, Granada, you know, they've had, they've had a a pretty decent season. They currently sit 10th in the table. They have a positive goal differential, which they're only one of nine teams to have. Like Granada are not a, a pushover, but a focused Real Madrid team who has a lot to play for in this game to make sure that they that basically a, a swap-in result with Barcelona wouldn't all of a sudden then make goal differential the deciding factor? I, you can only, to me, like Real Madrid in this game. I might even, I might even argue that, that, you know, again, a little bit better than a minus 200 number, even, you know, as long as it stays maybe under that 220 mark. If you wanted to play it, I'm not against it. I totally, totally get it. Saying that amount of juice, which is not something that my man likes to do with his leans from inside the basement, but he is saying that because they're already behind the eight ball in Champions League, right? Mm-hmm. And because they are, you know, on the precipice, you know, like the, the good old term, the magic number, it doesn't necessarily apply in sports like this where there's points and, uh, you know, three points for the win, let, let's say. But if they get it done today, they have a nice little cushion with only two games to play against Barcelona for the top of the La Liga schedule. To me, it makes me feel that they want this one. So maybe even laying some heavy wood isn't a horrible idea. Two other games, Kev, in La Liga today, and the draw seems more alive in both of them, Kev. I got <laughs> Real. And we also have um, Alaves in action later today at around, you know, during the afternoon at 1.30 Eastern time. I got draw potential here, Kev. What say you? Yeah, so uh, Villarreal currently fifth in the table. Uh, Sociedad currently eighth in the table. So two top eight teams. Like they played. Yeah, I mean, right now, I, I think Villarreal is a, is a bit more ahead. They're, they're six points uh, on Sociedad. But that does mean, right, if Sociedad got the results here today, there'd only be three three points go with two more games to play. 
So this is definitely a game that has major implications in terms of that race. And that sometimes is the type of stuff that can bring us to a draw. Now, they last played Sociedad. This was back in January. Sociedad hosted and lost 2-1 to a visiting Villarreal team. They've, they've been a solid group in this game, or, or rather, uh, in this season. I think you could, could even look towards the total if you would like. Uh, you know, maybe over on the two and a half is around minus 130, which isn't bad, and, and hope to see some goals uh, from these clubs. But a great game, and if you wanted to roll with the draw, uh, I'm not mad at it. All right, fair enough. That is what I'm talking about. I'm looking for plus money, Kev. That's what it comes mm-hmm. down I will search the globe. That's what we do here. Looking at lines, searching the globe. We have literally done multiple continents, and maybe there's another one on deck. That's why you got to watch here on the early line. When we come back, we turn our attention right back to the epicenter of sports in this country. It might be the epicenter of other things like a virus as well, but that's a whole different topic for a whole different day. Players are the bubble in Orlando. We got some news and notes from that. And we also have another player on a championship contender that's going to be it. We'll tell you what we're talking about. We'll ask about the impact when we come back. That's what we do right early back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh and I giving you the edge. That's what we do here. And we also try to put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, you know what is not fun? Being a world-class athlete, going to this bubble, and then all of a sudden getting what has been described as glorified airplane food. You know, the NBA players, for the most part, arrived in the bubble uh, over the weekend, except for a couple of, you know, last guys like Harden and Westbrook are still not there yet. They're trying to figure out how to get Nikolai Jokic there from Serbia, where he, you know, had tested positive for coronavirus a few weeks back. But, but Kev, I don't know. I mean, what's your? I know it's not like they're going to stop anything or change anything. But I was mm-hmm. a little taken as you have been saying that the tone in the NBA, right, is so much collaborative, and now they're starting to complain. You know what I mean? And we've heard things like in rooms, there's cockroaches. The food is not a uh, top notch shall we say, um, but this is what they got to do, right? This is part and parcel of what's going on. They got to go in. They're going to have to grin and bear it. And, you know, things like dressing in their hotel rooms and not being able to do the fashion walk will have to be a sacrifice of this unique season, right, Kev? Yeah, and also, uh, you know, there was an exchange that I thought was uh, pretty funny between Mark Stein, who uh, reports on on, on the NBA for the Times, um, and Donovan Mitchell where, you know, people were kind of talking about the state of the food. Uh, and he had tweeted out, food in the NBA bubble changes after quarantines are completed. Player meals won't look like the airline trays after the first 48 hours. And Donovan Mitchell just wrote, how you know? Which I thought was hilarious. He's just like, you know what I mean? Like, why do you know that I don't? Uh, but he did reply to Donovan. He's like, it's supposed to become more of a real hotel experience in the three team hotels once you guys are no longer stuck in quarantine uh, in your quarantine rooms, which is a- an important uh, distinction because I know we saw a lot of the videos where, you know, right. everything was bare. There's no sheets. There's no color. It's right. just like, where am I? You know what I mean? Um, but, I, you know, I think, and that shows, again, that the NBA is taking all of the measures. They're like, yeah, this is where you stay when we don't know what's going on. Then we get you. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, all of, all of that is very important. They're continuing to take the necessary measures. Um, I've quite enjoyed, I, I find it funny, right? When everyone's like, yeah, you think LeBron's eating that? I, I don't know. Like, I think it's hilarious that like, <laughs> like he like, 
You think Giannis is getting a different tray? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, listen, maybe, right? <laughs> like, but who knows? I'm sure he might have some like prepackaged stuff that he, you know, has has all set up for him. But all in all, you know, thus far, I would say it, it's just been positive because we've not really heard anything about like players here with COVID type of situation, and that's obviously what we're kind of really waiting on. I would say, Dane. Yeah, I mean, listen. We're going to hear some this week now that they've arrived. Oh, sure. Start- sure. All right. In the same way that as they started to test Major League Baseball players and MLS players when they got into the bubble, we're, we're, we, we are right, I think, to expect some level of positive tests, right? It's just the crapshoot mm-hmm. of who they are, what teams they are on, and how it may impact the competitive balance of it all. But you're absolutely right. I saw comments over the weekend, LeBron James, Damian Lillard, and others liking it in almost to like they're starting a prison sentence going into the bubble, right? Being like, yo, I'm about to do a bid. Hopefully it's for four months all the way to the championship. One piece of news, though, Kev, that we did hear in the NBA that is about a championship contender team and is, you know, someone being out, but not because they tested positive for COVID. Lakers guard Rajon Rondo has suffered a fractured right thumb, okay? He's going to have surgery, and it looks like he is going to miss six to eight weeks. All right, Shams tweeted that earlier this morning. Um, that Listen, Kev, you know, we've been talking about how big of a player are they? Are they a a contending team? Well, the Lakers are definitely a contending team, Kev. And and when you think about Rondo, was he LeBron James? Was he Anthony Davis? No. But when I also remember, Kev, that Avery Bradley has decided to opt out, now that starts to compromise a backcourt for the Lakers. No, what do you think is the impact of this news about Rondo? Yeah, I mean, you... Don't want to be going into this reset losing bodies. That's not the ideal outcome, right? Avery Bradley not joining them for incredibly, totally, uh, you know, understandable reasons. Now Rondo suffering an injury. But like before even diving into that, I have to say it was an unfortunate but a necessary reminder that there's also other ways for people to get pulled out of games. I don't know about you, but like, you know what, like, because we're always like, oh, is a guy going to miss this for COVID? Like, when was the last time you've, like, thought about, oh, this guy's this guy's hurt. What an opportunity for this. Like, it, we haven't had right. that in so long that, like, I almost forgot that, like, as people are practicing, somebody might injure their thumb, as we've seen here oh, with Ray on Rondo. Yeah. yeah. Like, we it just, it's been so long since we've seen that. Now, again, you want more depth, but... I mean, Dane, I'm sure you've seen it. There, I would say every third Laker game, Rondo pretty much caused all of the Lakers' Twitter slash fan base to ask for him to be cut and never played again. I mean, he, like, many, many times came in and was putrid for this basketball team. Like, unacceptably bad. Frank Vogel, are you not watching the same thing that everybody else is watching, but you again, you don't want to lose depth. So it'll be interesting to see. I I do. I heard one person make this um, comment, and I, and I do think it's well served. It just it now leaves them a bit more vulnerable if anybody else were to go down. You don't want to take too many hits to that backcourt. But realistically, Danny Green, KCP, Alex Caruso, all comfortably should have been getting more minutes than Rondo. Then you've got Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith that might have also fit that description. That then puts Rondo as the sixth guard on this team. Like, losing your sixth guard isn't disastrous. It's just that Rondo is an NBA champion, has a big name, right. and we know that, that Rondo does get minutes for this team. It could end up being a bit of a blessing if this stops you know Vogel from playing him more than he was supposed to. The other thing is, and I just want to make this point, due to the timeline here, if the Lakers are in the conference finals, Rondo should be back. Okay, that is a good point. And I think you you kind of explain it correctly, Kev, right? I don't know how much this is about Rondo specifically and his value add um, for this Lakers team. But remember, you've already lost Bradley, right? Now, potentially Rondo for the duration or at least maybe through to the uh, conference finals. What that means, and we know there's so much variance. We know Everyone is questionable, right, Kev? So it's mm-hmm. almost like 
using your wiggle room up, you know, early on, you know, in many ways, this could be something of a last man standing kind of tournament in every sport in 2020. So to already have some of those men standing already go down could be an issue. You mentioned the conference finals, and that's the market that I'm looking at, right? Western conference champions here. We know, Kev, that there are two big time favorites and then a huge gap, right? The Lakers are the favorite at plus 150 around. The Clippers are the second choice at around plus 180. Then there's a big gap to teams like the Rockets, another gap to teams like Denver and Utah and Dallas as well. My question is, with the backcourt of the Lakers somewhat compromised, and to your point, mm-hmm. now they're at more risk if another person goes down, right? The cupboard is going to get bare at some point. Is this enough for you to maybe lean towards the other L.A. team a little bit more? Because we have not heard, you know, they're not dropping like flies like it seems like the Lakers are, or at least at this point. So the, there, I've, I've looked through this, because if you remember actually at the FanDuel Sportsbook, we had the Clippers yeah. open as the favorites in that game against the Lakers. Yet, this whole time, the Lakers have been favored over them to win the title and to win the West. And I've, you know, you try and figure out why. And here is what I believe it is the third team in, in the odds to win the West is the Houston Rockets. There's no right. way the Lakers play them in round one. The Lakers are the one seed. Okay, they would need to pretty much lose out, and the Clippers would have to win out. That's not realistic. That's not going to happen. The Clippers, though, matching up with the Rockets in the second round right now is certainly possible. The bigger thing to me, Dan, is it's possible this happens in the first round. The Clippers are only a game and a half up on the Denver Nuggets. Them getting pushed back to the three line where the Rockets are currently the six is plausible. But also, the Rockets are only a game and a half up on the Mavericks, who they play in their opening game, by the way. Like, they could leave that game only a half game out of seven. The Clippers are the two seed. They could also then start with the Rockets. Now, yes, the Rockets could get themselves onto the 4-5 line quite easily as well. I mean, they have the same record as the team who's currently on the 5 line. I'm not saying that that's not possible. But also, the Rockets could get themselves all the way up to the 3 line. I just feel like there's so many scenarios. It's more likely, it feels, that the Rockets and the Clippers would match up whether it be in the first round or the second round, then seemingly the Rockets and the Lakers would match up. And I think that's been the difference maker, Dane, in terms of the Lakers being favored to win the West. Also, the Lakers winning that game, that final game, one of the last, what, three games right before lockdown, over the Clippers, getting over that hump. A lot of people felt like, did the Clippers have their number? The Lakers getting that victory, I think, did do, it, it gave them that big push to remain as favorites, pretty much despite any news, at least the news of the caliber that we've gotten. All right, fair enough, and that does make sense. The Rockets being that other team that people are somewhat scared of or see as a live option, and the idea of the path um, avoiding, in essence, the Rockets, right, to get to the Western Conference Finals, maybe an easier road for the presumptive one seed, the Los Angeles Lakers, where a team like the Clippers may have to run into this other live option of Houston a little bit earlier. Let me ask it to you in this place, though, if we are standing at a Lakers and Clippers Western Conference Finals. How much of an impact, how much of a better chance do you give the Clippers if they're facing a Lakers team that now will be without Avery Bradley and potentially Rondo well? Avery Bradley, based on that last game, it feels like it could be significant as he was very, very good in that game. was a plus 13, which was the best of any player in the entire game. He had 24 points. He was 6 of 12 from 3. He played a massive game. Rondo, a lot less, but again, the Lakers have brought in a lot of reinforcements to try and lessen the blow that is Avery Bradley's absence. All right, fair enough. When we come back, we turn our attention away from the NBA, and we go to Major League Baseball. Basketball isn't the only sport where people are reporting, where people are testing, and where people are opting out. We talk about Major League Baseball and the of those decisions. We come back here on the early. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. My main man, Kevin Walsh, is stacking chips inside the basement. And we turn our attention to Major League Baseball. Kev, you know, we have heard, right? David Price has opted out. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman has opted out. But over the weekend, we got, you know, maybe not the best player anymore because he is on the back nine of his career. But what I would call the biggest name to decide to opt out and it is Buster Posey of the San Francisco Giants he has decided to opt out of the 2020 season and you know another one of those valid reasons Kev that I can't hate on he just adopted newborn twins okay and you know is a little bit concerned of the medical and stuff and him traveling the risk that there and he's got newborn twins you know so I understand that what do you think I understand that the impact of Buster Posey offensively Kev is not what it used yeah. to be but he's also the catcher that is handling this staff, a staff that just lost Madison Bumgarner, right, that is going to let some kids play. They weren't really contending much anyway, and I understand he's not like a fantasy stud anymore at the catcher position, but he was handling that staff. What do you think is the impact of, you know, the marquee name of the San Francisco Giants saying, nope, I'm out for 2020? Yeah, I think the importance the importance of Buster Posey's decision here is, as you're alluding to, a bit more in name than okay. it is statistically, right, or impacts on who's going to win the World Series. The expectations for the Giants were not incredibly high, and Buster Posley has fallen off. In 2012, he had a 7.2 war. Every season after that was a 4 or better. Uh, 2018, though, then he came up with a 2.9, then last year was actually under a 1 in war for the first time you know, since his rookie season where he basically didn't play. So pretty much the first time in his career. So the, no, this isn't the same Buster Posey, who's probably underrated when we talk about players that would define this last decade. He's probably an underrated name, but would belong, I would say, on that list. The That's interesting. With decade, right? The Giants were winning every other year World mm-hmm. Series, right? Like on the yeah. number years, I think it was. So, I, I, you know, that's interesting. I wonder how many names we get to before he was the face mm-hmm. of the decade. I'm sorry. No, yeah, but I, I think I think he would be a part of, of that list somewhere. Like maybe he'd start at catcher if we put the all-importance to the decade team. The reason, though, why I think this Buster stuff matters is I do I think back to what, how we saw things play out a little bit in the NBA, Dane, where I remember you at you were like, I wonder how many guys don't feel like their voice is being heard. And then we kind of got an idea of it with the Kyrie Irving situation where a lot of people were like, thank you for giving me the opportunity to voice my concerns and voice my opinions. And you know, Buster Posey is a very well-respected player throughout this league. And for him to make this decision, I think anybody who maybe were going back and forth and unsure what they wanted to do, maybe now might feel a little bit more confidence, or at least maybe even just feel like they can reach out to Buster Posey, speak to him, and try and get a grasp of, you know, his decision-making process. Um, so that's where I think the importance here uh, from Buster's decision is. Yeah, that's interesting. Remember, we talked about it last week, how Nick Marcakis consulted with Freddie Freeman and then made his decision when he heard like how bad it was hearing Freddie Freeman on the other side. Let me ask you about the Giants, though. You mentioned they weren't contenders. Their season win total right now stands at 25 and a half, Kev. This is like a big name for them. I know they weren't expected to contend, but with this news, you know, would you would you play the under now because of this and the value he, of what he represents to the team? 25 and a half? Yeah. Yeah, and they were already a team. I, you know, I've mentioned some projections that I've looked at. I saw one spot where they were projected for 24 wins, and you know, with win totals, one and a half might be enough to get you on board here. And uh, for this type of season, is it fair to say though that Buster again? It, it's less about the on-field numbers and more about like as you're trying to power through a season. It would sure be nice yeah. to have your leader, right? And also for those that. It's probably lost on a lot of people, understandably so. It's something that's lost on me. And then you like read an article, and you're like, oh, right. Madison Baumgartner's not here anymore either. Like, this is a very different San Francisco Giants team than the ones that you were just talking about that was ripping off a trophy every other year. So, like, this team just not having that kind of leadership, battling through down year, supposed to be a down year. I do think this is a team that it's totally reasonable to look at the under four. All right, fair enough. But a different team that 
People were not looking at the under four. People were looking at the over on, right, and thinking they could be that kind of team that in this COVID context could rip off some wins, not know what they don't know, and really, when the dust settles, be a contender. Kevin, talking about the Chicago White Sox, but they got bad news over the weekend as well. One of their young stud pitchers, uh, Kopech, is out for 2020, okay? They also heard Yoan Moncada will start the season on the, the DL, the IL, whatever they want to call it this time. And with Kopech, though, Kev, I don't know if you saw this, it gets a little more because managers coming out, coaches coming out, wondering if Kopech is actually okay. He's dealt with anxiety before. He's had panic attacks before. He missed all of last season kind of rehabbing by himself from Tommy John. Now with the um, shutdown, you know, the coaches were saying they don't know that this has gone well for him. And they were at literally expressing concern for Kopech. I want to ask you first about Kopech, then for the idea of the White Sox prospects. What's your make on What's your read on this? I think, like, you know, as you hear people talking about like Kopech in this way, it, it does show that there's at least being some progress made throughout sports because not only all that long ago, Dane, people would have been, oh, look how soft he is. Now, and, I'm, and, there's, yeah. and there's, there's no doubt in my mind, there are people who are still saying that, right? But I do think we've seen a bit of a shift, and, and that at the minimum it makes me happy. The reason why this just jumps out to me, Dane, is, and you're one of the, you know, you're the person I think about the most because we're obviously doing this show, but you're not the only person that has talked about the White Sox as their potential. Yeah darling of this restart and this is again it's all respect to Kopech make that decision but this is not what you wanted to see if you were about to get to the window and back the White Sox coming up uh, in this you know truncated season no I completely agree with you that's why to me, you know, I, I said this one after the San Francisco Giants, and the Giants were not contenders, so it's a different level of conversation right around Buster Posey. But when you have Moncada go down on the IL, when you have Kopech go, you know, opt out, I do think this moves the needle a little bit more because a lot of people have been high on these young kids yeah. on the white. Look now at their playoff yes-no um, odds. Kevin, I think it's interesting. Yes was plus 180, okay, in many places. And so I wonder, this was already kind of a hot idea, take the kids. Now one of the stud arms at the top and the infielder that everybody loves is down for at least a little while. We don't know how long. Is this enough to change your thinking on the Chicago White Sox in terms of one of these markets? Yes, no, or the flyer for them to win the division? Um, are you changing mm. your provision on the White Sox. It, it does get tricky. This is the type of team that you feel like does need everything there because the top yeah. of the AL is very strong. Yankees raise from the East, right? The central the what that they're in, the idea of them being better than both the Twins and the Cleveland to be named later, you know, that's that's <laughs> obviously a, you know, a heavy mountain to climb. You still have the Astros as much as they should be banned from baseball, and they're all a bunch of disgraces. They're going to still go out there and compete. We're high on the Angels. The A's are no slouch. Like they're, they're, It's still a very deep American league, and that's why, in a 60-game span, I don't think there's really any injury-slash-player absence that you could make too big of a deal of. I really don't. So, you know, again, we've talked about this. Could starting pitching maybe matter a little bit less? Then we're accustomed right. to at least for the 60 game regular season. Yes, I think that's possible. But a team like the White Sox, who we're hoping can surprise people, come out of nowhere. This is, again, it's just, it's not the way you would want to get that started. Yep, absolutely. Because to be quite honest, Kev, the only thing I'd push back out of everything you said is it's not out of nowhere. Everyone's talking about it at this point, right? Right. And so it, it, oh, it is a blow, certainly. For the White Sox. I want to ask you about this also. We've been talking about, um, you, you mentioned the starting pitchers. We've been talking about how they may only go 60 innings compared to a reliever that may go 35 or 40. We've even talked about how a perfect reliever on a huge contending team that dominates could even garner Cy Young votes. We've been talking about some mm -hmm. stud relievers we think have the highest win totals that could be viable. Well, guess what, Kev? The two teams that have the highest win totals in all of baseball have very 
interesting news about their closers. Yankees closer, Aroldis Chapman, has tested positive for COVID and was experiencing mild symptoms. And over in the National League, the Los Angeles Dodgers and Kenley Jansen, their closer, has tested positive for COVID and had some symptoms. Another reminder, right, Kev? We may love the stud bullpens. We may think they're viable, even for postseason awards. You can see the Cy Young Awards up. We've talked about it before. Chapman as a 70 to 1 intriguing idea given this context. But on both coasts, in both leagues, the runaway favorites, their closers, have tested positive. Yeah, it, I tell you, the Chapman news is the one that I saw where I went, man, can you really play a future in baseball at all? Like, it was just, it was, it was that type of news where I'm like, wow, like this is, you just don't know when it's going to happen, right? And, you know, obviously you see that news and then you start to try and figure out, okay, well, he's, was he around the team? Like, is it about to be, the Yankees about to be like yeah. an FC Dallas type of situation? At Yankee Stadium all last week. But I, I do believe that they said that he was like it was separate. They went through some some different things, and you know it, it sh that shouldn't be how the situation plays out. I think the Kenley Jansen story. I don't want to overreact, but I feel like it's one of the bigger stories that we've kind of seen in sports, just from this fact that he tested positive not that long ago, was symptomatic, not for you know a long period of time. Everybody is different, but he was symptomatic for a few days. Was able to get through it. And is now going to be, you know, getting back and, and joining this Dodgers team. It's, first of all, it's massive because if they would have been without Kenley Jansen, who is one of the top closers in baseball, that's a massive story. But this is a question that we've been trying to figure out. How long could the Yankees be without Aroldis Chapman? How long could the Braves be without Freddie Freeman? Everybody is different. That's what we've absolutely learned. If we've learned anything about this virus, is every case is different. But if Jansen is an indicator, you know, Freeman and it's possible that both Freeman and Chapman could be back for their teams by opening day. And that is massive, especially when I think to the Atlanta Braves, when we spoke about them, Dane, we both were significantly lower on them on the heels of that Freeman news. That is true. Remember, we also last week reported Eduardo Rodriguez of the Boston Red Sox. He is the yes. ace of their staff. And we talked about how it could compromise. Day. Hopefully he tests negative a couple of times and can, can, as quickly as possible, get right back with the team. When we come back after the break, our number two early line, playoff, yes, no, baseball. Now, dive into our number two of the line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.